Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. the service, hanging out, gotten, have food and all that kind of stuff. So family month starts next month. We're really excited about it. It's going to be fun. I'd love for you to stand for the reading of the word. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2, or sorry, 10, Luke chapter 10, and uh, start with verse number 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field, into his field. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God be... May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their prey. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you now. But if the town refuses to welcome you, go out on its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Saddam will be better off than such a town on judgment day. Thank you. Would you join me in prayer right now, Lord? We are thankful for today, for this moment. And just praying, God, that you would, God, teach us new things about you. Lord, that you would stir us uh, in us, Lord, just a desire, Lord, to not just learn and grow and understand things better. But Lord, I pray that there'd be a great desire within every one of us to obey, just to walk in obedience to your word. And so, Lord, my big prayer is, Lord, that this would not be a moment of information, but transformation. Lord, I pray that your word, your spirit would transform us and stir in us just a desire to follow you, to fall more in love with you and to walk in obedience to you and this calling that you've given to every single one of us. Lord, I pray this in your mighty name, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? So we were going to start a new series today called Love and Marriage. But we had just a few more things that are on my heart that I feel like are very important for us as a church. So we got one more week of the Kingdom First series because this, today's very important. But then next week, we're going to get to love and marriage. I think next week, Amy and I are going to tag team this love 
and marriage thing, and it'll be a lot of fun. So we're kicking that off next week with the kickoff of Family Month. February is going to be fun around here, so look forward to having you here next week for that. But we're going to talk about Kingdom First here again today. In fact, this is going to, this is going to be a theme for us this entire year. And so we'll probably come back to this several times and just talk about how this applies to even lots of different topics that we talk about throughout the year. But the goal is, and the calling is, that you and I would put the kingdom of God first in our life. Jesus said, here's the thing I want you to go after first. Seek this first, his kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 6, Seek his kingdom, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus knowing that it's easy for us to get distracted by so many things in life. We can get caught up by the worries, the pressures of everything that we're going through, and those things can consume us, and we end up just focusing on those things. But Jesus says, I want your focus to be on me, my kingdom. I want your focus to be on me. So make sure you seek me first above everything else. Seek me first. You know, this couple days ago, I had the amazing privilege to go and be with my dad on his last day at work. He worked for Pepsi. Give it up for Pepsi. <laughs> We're a Pepsi church. Yeah. I always tell people I owe my life to Jesus and Pepsi. Jesus saved me. Pepsi provided for my family, you know, and since, but yes, Jesus provided for my family and all that, but my dad worked for Pepsi for 42 years, guys. 42 years he worked for one company, and last Friday was his last day on the job. And so we were able to be there and surprise him. He had no idea we were going to be there. I was there with him for his last hours at this place that he went to for 42 years. Can you imagine that? Some of you, you've experienced it. You're like, yeah, good for him. He just, he's doing a good thing there. He's stepping into retirement. And a lot of us, we can't even identify with that. We haven't been there yet. It's going to come someday for us. But 42 years, I was there with my dad. We had an amazing time. I was there just sharing stories. They're honoring him and, and hanging out. And just his last hours there in his office at the property. And I was with him in his truck as he drove off the property for the last time. It's one of those moments in your life that causes you to really step back and think and kind of gives you perspective. Because we're just at, like, Dad, how does this feel? What are you thinking right now? Like, I know this feels good, but it was emotional. I mean, he's crying. It's just very emotional and all that. And it's just one of those moments that I think are so good for us to go through in life because it gives us a good perspective. And that's what we need. Perspective in life, isn't it? And I'm so thankful that I was able to be there for my dad and with my dad. But I'm telling you, the pers- it just, it, it caused me to really reflect on my life and, okay, and my, where I'm going, what I'm giving my life to, my heart to, what am I seeking in life and everything. And it's, life is so much more than just making a career for yourself and, and making money and providing. It's so much bigger than all of that. So much bigger. And the, Jesus knows that we can get, get caught up in all of that. That's why he says, seek me first and I'll take care of all that. And all these things will be given to you as well. That's what Matthew six thirty three says. So I will take care of all of that. Just make sure you seek me first. And I think if we're going to live a kingdom first life, it really is a matter of perspective. We need the right perspective if we're really going to live this out. And so to think about moments like you are going to be 
at that place maybe where you've worked your career, your job for years and years, and you're going to be done, at that point in life, what will you have really been living for? We need that perspective. We need to step back, and it's good to have those moments like, my life is going to end. What am I living for right now? So far, chances are that you're not going to make it out of life alive. It's just kind of how it works out for everybody. We're going to have that moment. We've got to have the right perspective on what am I pursuing in life? What am I chasing? What am I seeking in life? And that's why I love the passion and the single-mindedness of David. And if you know the story of David in the Old Testament, you know here's a man who was not perfect by any means, but he came around, he repented, he came back to, to God, and he was passionate. And in fact, he was called a man after God's own heart. And he says in Psalm 27, 4, he says, One thing I ask from the Lord... This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I mean, you catch the words of passion there. This is the one thing I'm going after. I am seeking this. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to experience his presence is what he's saying. I want to be in his presence all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I pray this would be the cry of our heart, the passion of our heart, that we'd be so single-minded that we would seek first him, his kingdom, his righteousness, his presence above everything else. And Jesus says, I'll take care of you. I'll take care, because God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to enjoy this life that he's given you, but he's saying there's a way for you to make the most of your life, and that's to seek me first. But it's easy for us to get caught up in all this other stuff, isn't it? That documentary that we watched just a little bit of last Sunday, Sheep Among Wolves, volume two is what it is. And we posted the link on our Facebook page last Sunday afternoon. If you haven't watched it, I really encourage you to go watch it. It's very, really, it's really good. It's uh, encouraging and convicting at the same time. It's inspiring and sobering, all of that. It's just amazing what God is doing across the globe, but especially there in the underground church in Iran. And someone in that documentary said this, said, the church in the West is living for how can we make this life the best, life, the best possible life? The church in Iran is living for forget this life, I'm living for the next one. That's a perspective. That is a kingdom perspective right there. And it'd be easy for us to say, well, yeah, because of all the persecution they face, it's difficult to be a follower of Jesus. Like, you could lose your life. They don't know how long they're going to live just by saying yes to Jesus. So, of course, they're going to be thinking, like, I can't wait for the next life. Like, this is tough. But isn't this why Jesus warned us about the dangers of wealth? Isn't this what Jesus was saying? Like, hey, all that stuff, it just comes into your life and it will consume you and it will squeeze me out and you will want that more. It'll cause you to live in this place of comfort and you'll enjoy that comfort and get really complacent spiritually. He says, it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle and for a rich man to go through the narrow gate. And here in our country and in the West, we are rich. Let's be real. We are so rich. We are so wealthy. We, are, we, are, we, we have so much that we are comfortable, and it has caused too many people, too many followers of Jesus to be complacent. And so we can look at the church in Iran and those people and say, of course, they're looking to the, to the next life. But isn't that how we all should be thinking? Like, I am living for the next life more than anything else. I know I'm going to enjoy this life. I'm going to have fun, but I'm living for the next life because, oh, by the way, 
that life is forever. It will never, ever end. That's the perspective that I hope that you and I have in our life. In my studies and my readings here, as we continue in this Kingdom First series, it's really all about discipleship. And I came across this cool story about a guy named Akachi. Akashi lives in West Africa, and he loves Jesus, and he had this deep desire to obey Jesus in his calling to make disciples. And so what Akachi did is he started to share with this guy he knew named Oberon. Oberon entered into a discipleship relationship with Akachi. He eventually said yes to Jesus, was transformed by Jesus, and then Oberon shared with Kishon. Kishon met Jesus. And then he began to share with Simon. Simon shared with Isabel. Isabel shared with Kael. And then there's that one stream that I'm going down in this little picture here is 13 generations of Jesus followers. Wow. All because Akachi said, I'm going to share with Oberon. 13. Just in that one stream. Overall, he's got 17 generations of Jesus followers with just the people that he's entered into discipleship relationship with. And it all started because he's like, I love Jesus, and I just want to obey his calling to make disciples. That's how it all started. And oh, by the way, the backstory of Akashi was he tried for quite a while, and he, in his words, failed miserably, but he was learning a little bit about himself and how to do this and enter into relationship with people and how to disciple them. And eventually it caught on, and you can see the results right there. I mean, just look at that image there. That is a, that is a picture, I think, of the vision that I hope that God ignites in your heart for you and the impact you could have in the kingdom. Those are all people, people who are transformed and even families transformed because one man said, I love Jesus so much, I'm gonna obey. Now I'm gonna go and make disciples. Some of you have already started a process like this and I just wanna encourage you just to continue to be open and look for, is there any other people? Is there new people that God is leading you to? And I pray that this picture would be also a picture of your discipleship influence through your life. And this took place, I think, just within the last 10 years, but that was just a picture of what took place in just a few years. All because he just wanted to share with some people. That's the vision right there. That's the picture. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. There you go. Look at that. That's the vision. Now, we have a big vision statement here at Rivers Church, and there's one statement that's very important to this series, and that is we see a movement of disciples who make other disciples because of their passion for Jesus and his mission. That's a vision that we have. That's just, I hope that that stirs inside of you, that we'd see a movement of discipleship, people who make other disciples. Why? Because we're just so passionate about Jesus and his mission. It's like we can't help it. It's just what we do. It's like when I read this, I'm supposed to do it. I just live it out. That's just kind of what we do. That's the vision right there that you and I do. This will become just natural and a part of our, the normal rhythm of our life. That's why I like how we're stepping into this last phase of this discipleship season because it's very relational and very organic. You can do it with whoever and whenever works for you. I love that. God wants to use you. So what we're doing in the series is we're confronting a false belief of discipleship. This is important for us to do, especially if you've been around the church for a while. If you've been in the church for several decades, you know that this, there's this false belief and that this is gonna resonate with you and maybe it's gonna convict you. The false belief of discipleship is that it's all about me and my personal spiritual growth. And that is not what discipleship fully is. It's part of it for sure, but fully 
It has to trans, translate into me living this out and helping other people grow in their relationship with Jesus. So that's why we took some time, like, let's clarify what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? How do we define a disciple, a follower of Jesus? And there's four things that we think are very important. You're committed to following Jesus. You're being changed by Jesus. You are led by the spirit of Jesus, and you are living on the mission of Jesus. And so we can't forget that last part, right? And for years, maybe we focused on, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm studying, I'm getting better, I'm going, you know, growing in more maturity. That's good. That's important. I hope you and I are more mature than we were a year ago. But that needs to translate then into, I just have a desire to see other people grow. And so I want to be on the mission that Jesus has given me. So we're going to go to Luke 10 and look at that teaching text that we already went through just a few moments ago. We're going to walk through it slowly and see what can we learn from Jesus about how he sent out his disciples to go and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. So let's walk through this here. What can we learn from Jesus? How did Jesus do this? Luke chapter 10, verse 1, says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Okay, so let's pause right there. Let's talk about verse number one. I want to give you four things that you can take and apply to your life and how you can live out this discipleship mission that Jesus has given you. Four things I want to give you. Number one is pray and obey. That's where I want you to start. Pray and then obey. So notice what Jesus did here. He called 72, not just his 12, but 72, and sent them out two by two, which is kind of cool and significant. There's, there's power and just partnership, and there's accountability in that. They can work together with each other. They can be together. And so two by two, they go out, and it says that Jesus sent them specifically to places that he was going to go. So Jesus was very intentional about, I know where I'm going, and so you go there, and you go there, and you go there, and you go there. And he's sending them to specific places. You and I are called to be open and ready and available for specific places and people. So pray, God, who you call me to reach? Who, who, would you just open the door in a relationship with someone for me to share about you and then hopefully enter into discipleship relationship with? You just pray and you pray and you listen, you listen and then obey. So Jesus sends out 72 people. We have no idea who the, and we know the 12. We don't know who the 72 were. You know, it's even questionable were the 12 disciples actually saved at this point. Like, when did the disciples actually get saved? Do you know? They didn't pray the sinner's prayer. So were they really saved? You know, so, you know that shows us really the important, the sinner's prayer is important, but is it? It's just, it's really a decision in our heart, and we just start really going for it, and then we be begin to outwardly live for Jesus. That's really the most important thing, because anyone can pray a prayer, I'm good. But it's really about how we live, and so still, though, these disciples, they're in process. They don't understand any, everything. I mean, think about it. Even at the last moment when Jesus gives us the great commission, go and make disciples, Matthew 28, the 11 are there. They lost one along the way. The 11 are there, and some doubted. They still were struggling, even to the very end. These guys are not perfect. They don't understand everything. Yet Jesus is sending them out to go proclaim the gospel. That means there's hope for all of us. God can use even jacked up people like you and me. 
who don't understand everything. You don't have to understand everything about theology to go and, and help people meet and begin a relationship with Jesus. And so these guys, I mean, who knows where they're at in the process? Yet Jesus uses them. He's sending them out. So pray and obey. It's very important. And it's important we have this posture where we're just open to whoever God would lead us to. Maybe God's gonna speak to you this year and he's gonna send you overseas to another country as you're listening to him and you're like, oh Lord, are you serious? Okay, I mean, that was the prayer, that was the conversation I had when he called me into ministry. So when we heard that story, I'm like, no, you have, did you know who you're talking to? But God speaks to us, leads us, guides us, and directs us. He's got unique plans for you based upon who you are that when you and I obey, we find out there's so much joy in that. There's so much joy on the other side of our obedience. And so maybe God's gonna speak to you, even specific people this year. Here's what I've learned is that I got people I'm praying for, I'm interceding for, but it isn't amazing how God will open up the door with somebody else I hadn't been praying for. And then all of a sudden you're just entering that relationship and you see they're hungry to grow, which we'll talk about that in just a moment here. But just wanna be open to whatever and wherever and whoever God would lead us to. Remember back to last April and March when we were in that quarantine season? Remember that? Yeah, how can we forget, right? It's just it's crazy to think back to that. And everyone is stuck at home. We're all at home. And in the weeks leading up to Easter last year, our church was in a 21-day prayer and fasting, and we had prayer around the clock. If you remember, we were, everyone picked a different hour, and we were praying around the clock. For 21 straight days, we had somebody in our church praying. It was awesome. I had the 9 a.m. prayer slot every week, along with a few other things, but or sorry, every day I had the 9 a.m. thing. And so I started, you know, we're stuck at home. It's nice to go out for a walk and just get out of your house. And I started just doing a prayer walk around my neighborhood. It became my favorite part of the day. And that hour-long prayer walk would oftentimes last way longer than an hour. It's, you know, just God would just lead me here and I'd begin conversations with people and start talking to them. It was a phenomenal experience that I'm praying that I still reap the fruit and rewards from. I'm still praying for people that I ran into because here's all I did. I walked around just praying for my neighborhood and I'd come across somebody and I'd say, hey, how you doing? How you surviving this crazy season? Which just gets everyone to laugh and then everyone instantly opens up, you know, and, you know, and who knows what direction they're gonna take it from there. But it got people talking and I said, hey, I'm just walking around praying for, for people in our neighborhood. Is there anything you need prayer for? And everybody said yes, everybody. In this season, people are so open to prayer, guys. People are, I mean, it doesn't matter where they're at in religion, in faith in Jesus. People are just open to prayer. And everybody said yes. And so I got awesome prayer requests. And I was able to pray with people right there on the sidewalk in our neighborhood. This one man needed a job desperately. This one couple hadn't hadn't seen his son in almost a year. And there's just all these needs that I'm learning about. This one guy started sharing his life story. Like he grew up in, in Vietnam and he, he, his family escaped in the early 70s, I wanna say, on one of those life rafts. And some families didn't survive. Some got captured and taken back to Vietnam. His family made it to the States and he's lived here since then and grown. It's just a fascinating life story. And just, it's amazing how people are just opening up and talking. And all it took was me just to say, hey, can I pray with you? For anything, anything going on? 
And I'd encourage you to be open to doing something like that. Maybe it's around your neighborhood. Maybe it's around your workplace. Just kind of walk around. Hey, I'm just praying right now. Is there anything you need to pray for? And watch what God does. I'm telling you guys, the harvest fields are ripe right now. And you ask the right person, it could just open up the floodgates for a conversation, for a relationship, and who knows, but you and I are just called to just pray and obey and just be open, God, where are you lead me? I'm just gonna keep doing this and see where, where this takes me. And here's what we're looking for. Number two, because number one is pray and obey. Number two, what we're looking for is a person of peace. Look for a person of peace. So let's look at this verse. We're at verse um, five and six. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. So this is interesting. So Jesus is saying, when you enter into a relationship and you can see this is working, this is connecting, they're open, they're receiving you, they're welcoming you, stay there. Like lock in in there, stay engaged with that relationship and that's a person of peace. And I think this is very important for you and I to think about as we're looking for people who we can help, who we can disciple, who we can walk through life with, is that person of peace. And this is why I say the harvest fields are ripe, which by the way, we skipped over that verse, but Jesus said that. In verse number two, he told them in chapter 10 here, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field which is a reiteration of what we looked at last week, Matthew 9.38. And we talked about the 9.38 prayer. Have you been doing that this week? The 9.38 a.m., 9.38 p.m., set a reminder on your phone, let's pray this prayer that Jesus told us to pray. And he didn't tell us to pray for the harvest. He told us to pray for workers to go into the harvest that's already ready. It's ripe. It is available. Pray for workers. And so that's what I want to encourage us to keep doing. Let's do it for one more week. We're reading it again here in a different place. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus is saying this. Pray for workers. People are ready. There are fields that are ripe. So let's pray it again. The 938 prayer. Essentially, we pray something like this. Lord of the harvest, please send out workers into your harvest fields to tell them how much you love them. Lord, please show me what I can do as one of your workers. Send me, God. I want to be one of those workers. He says in Matthew 9, 38, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But Lord, I'll be one of the few. I'll be one of the few. There may not be many, but I'll be one of them because I just want to obey what you're calling me to obey. So I would encourage you, let's pray that again this week. It's just a good reminder for us to also be one of those workers. Let's pray the, the 938 prayer. So, as we're praying, we're praying for workers. We are one of those workers. We get in contact with someone. We have a conversation. All of a sudden, you can tell, like, they're open. They're receiving you. They're receiving your message. That is a person of peace. And what I love about this is it just takes the pressure off us. Because sometimes we feel like, i got to force this. I'm praying for this person. This is the person I'm going to go after. I want to I see them saved, and I want to see them following Jesus, and we're going to get into this discipleship relationship, and it's got to be this person, but they not, may not be ready to receive the gospel yet. Keep praying, keep interceding, and then keep knocking on other doors. Keep talking to other people, and God could open up another door with someone who's ready that you don't even know yet. That's the crazy thing about God. You may not even know them, but this week, they could come into your life, and you could say, that's one of those harvest fields that's ripe right there. 
And so Jesus is saying, that's a person of peace. Lean into that. Enter into that relationship. Again, it takes the, the, the pressure off of us. And so we don't have to force things. We don't have to feel bad or guilty. Some people will not receive the gospel. And so that's what Jesus says in this passage, just kind of shake the dust off your feet and just kind of move on because the harvest fields are still ripe. And you just got to find the right harvest field and you're going to looking for that person of peace. I think this is very foundational in you and I actually living out this making disciples of other people thing. You're looking for people that are ready. They're ready. It's the person of peace. Number three is this. Serve and share. Serve that person, and then you want to make sure you share Jesus with them. Share the gospel. But serving can open the door for the sharing. Meeting needs, helping them, showing I care about you, can open the door for the sharing. And it's amazing how just kind of relationship and just if this person is a person of peace, that just can really just lead naturally and very easily into gospel conversations. So let's look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to do a practical thing for people. Pray for them that they may be healed. And proclaim that the kingdom is here. So serve them and then share. And you and I can just do a very easy, easy thing for people by praying for them. People, again, they're open to it right now, but they love it. It's amazing how you enter into a prayer with someone and you'll just begin to see like God move in their life. Like they may not even know why, but they start crying. You ever experienced this before? They're just crying because there's something that happens in prayer. It's why we're engaging in more prayer even in our services because people can sense and experience the peace of God, the presence of God through prayer. And I just love it when that happens. So praying for people. Maybe they have a physical need. Pray that God will heal them. Do you believe Jesus heals? Like, do you believe Jesus can meet needs? Then I'd encourage you to pray for things like you believe. Like Jesus said, you just need a little bit of faith. Just this much, like a mustard seed. It's all you need. You don't have to have perfect theology, which, by the way, nobody does. You don't have to understand everything. Just have some faith to believe Jesus is powerful enough to heal you, to meet your need. Let's pray right now. You ready right now? Is that okay? Let's pray. And pray in faith. Maybe there's some practical things like they just need help with something. You know, you can serve them. You know, their kids need a ride somewhere. I mean, you just never know, but just look for ways to serve them and then share. You're looking for that time, that opportunity to share the gospel. And then number four, this is what we're looking for. We're looking to begin a discipleship process slash go group. You want to enter into a discipleship relationship with that person. That's the goal. As you're praying, you're just walking obedience, you're open where the Spirit of God's leading you. You find this person. It's a, it's a person of peace. You're helping them. You're getting to know them. This is going well. Hey, what do you, some friends and I were getting together. We're talking about the Bible, and, and God's teaching us about him and about us. Would you like to get together and join us for that? Simple question like that, to make that last step into a discipleship process. Or maybe you start a new go group with them. Just start doing with them. And so again, let's be people who are just open to whoever God would put in our path. And that's what I love about this whole concept of look for and pray for that person of peace and then lean into that, that relationship. Kind of keep going that direction with that.
and you watch the Spirit of God help you and lead you through this whole thing. So these go groups that we're doing are a way that we can just relationally, organically live out the great commission that Jesus has given to all of us. And I love what we learned from Jesus there in that passage from Luke chapter 10 of how we can go and connect and minister to people and, 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 and see fruit take place. And go groups is just a practical way for you and I to do that, to enter into that discipleship relationship and process. And we made some changes this week. So I'm glad you're here to, to, to hear this news because this is very important news, okay? Like this is like breaking news right here, okay? We made some changes because there's a few things that we thought, oh, we gotta tweak this just a little bit to make it feel better is, is a good word, but feel more missional. And, and some of us were struggling with maybe, how does this missional? Because it really, when I look at this on paper, it looks like an accountability group. That's what it looks like, you know? And so maybe there's a little bit of Christianese in there that's really good for accountability, but let's make it a little bit more simple and a little bit more missional. So we went through and we changed some questions. We kind of narrowed the focus a little bit. There's a pamphlet underneath your seats there. Those are brand new. If you have an old pamphlet, uh, this is new information. Once you get, get a, new, a new pamphlet, a new bookmark, because we got new information. For those of you online, you can swing by the church office this week and get one, or we'll, we'll be emailing this out and posting it on, online, and you can get all the new information. But new questions. So I just want to take a few moments and just look at this so you can see what it is, how it works, and how easy this could be. And so it would start, like your group would start with just kind of a review from last week. Let's talk about how this last week go. There's just two questions. Did we do what we said we were gonna do and did we share with whom we said we would? Just two simple questions. Like, how did it go? Like, we, we talked about this, we were gonna share with this person. So how'd that go? It's just a good starting point because we wanna make sure we don't just keep moving forward in life, but like, let's reflect like, and hold each other accountable to, to really doing what we wanted to do. Because again, the goal is not information, the goal is transformation so that we walk in obedience. True discipleship has a heart and a goal of obedience, walking in obedience. So you start there, and then you move into, like we call it this connect time, where you just ask three questions, three simple questions. What are you thankful for in the past week? What has challenged or stressed you or others around you in the past week? Is there anything this group can do to help with those challenges or stresses, or is there anything, or is there any other need we can meet together? Just simple connect questions that you can just use. Anybody can do this. And what we like about this is this can be something that someone who doesn't even, would even identify as a follower of Jesus yet, they can do this. That's what we like about this. And so it's a little bit more missional, a little bit more open. And we would even say a little bit more simplistic. So go from that time into the scripture. You've all agreed on reading some scripture, but let's read it again. Maybe even listen to it. Some groups like to listen to it. And then ask these four questions. What does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about people? Is this, if this is from God, what should we do or obey in response? And who should we share this with? Four simple questions. Those are in your pamphlet. Those are also in on that bookmark that you can use. Is, you know, put that in your Bible and always have that there. Just kind of easy, easy reference when you're reading or when you're getting together in your group. But what we like about this format too is it really centers around scripture. Because we can get anybody into this place and like, let's just read this. And what do you think? What does that teach us about God? And someone who doesn't even believe in God could say, well, this is, I guess this is what it would say about God, if he's real. And you can just easily and naturally have those types of conversations with people. 
and it feels more open, but also feels more missional. And the last thing you do is pray. Pray for each other. Pray for your unchurched people. Pray for the people you're going to share with this week. And, and it's that simple. Those are basically just nine questions. Nine questions that you'd go through each group time. You're just meeting one hour every week. I just want to end today by commissioning you to go. Go. So one of the verses that we skipped over, Jesus said this in this passage, verse number three. Go, he said, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. In Matthew 28, where we have the great commission, Jesus also says, go, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is saying this to the 72 right here. Go, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, which is kind of an interesting statement, isn't it? Like, what, what do you mean by that, Jesus? Like, you want us to get killed? Is that, your, is that your plan? Is that your motive in this? So if you study sheep and shepherds, that is a fascinating relationship and just a fascinating culture. But it's obvious to understand that the sheep need the shepherd. Like they're completely reliant on the shepherd. And Jesus, again, in using this illustration, is inferring, okay, you are sheep, but I am the shepherd. Don't don't forget, I am the shepherd, and I want you to know I will protect you. I will take care of you. Yes, I'm sending you out to a place that's dangerous. We would even call it, it's uncomfortable. I'm outside of my comfort zone. If I'm really gonna have like, spiritual conversations about Jesus. For many of us, that's very uncomfortable. But Jesus says, go, I'm sending you to that place outside of your comfort zone because it's gonna help you. And oh, by the way, it's gonna help somebody else out for like all of eternity, which is kind of a big deal. Go, go. And don't forget, Jesus gives us this promise. I am with you always, Matthew 28, verse 20. It is a covenantal relational promise that Jesus has for us. I am with you always. He said those very words to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. He said them to Moses. He said them to, he said it all over scripture to people he was commissioning and calling to go out and do his work. He says, and here's what I want you to know. As you go, I am with you. Jesus says it again, go. And I want you to know, I am with you. You and I are gonna experience the supernatural because God is with us. And this is a very spiritual, supernatural thing that we're doing. This is something that we cannot do in the natural. To make disciples of Jesus is something that the Spirit of God uses and does through us and through in, and in that other person. It is something you cannot explain. You and I cannot argue anybody into Jesus. We cannot intellectually debate people into Jesus. The Spirit of God moves through us and moves in their life. And this is something that we can't even comprehend. The Spirit of God moves in people and uses us. And that is a reminder where Jesus is saying, I'm with you. See, I'm with you. I am always with you. He says, wherever you go. And so I'm ending today just commissioning you the same words that Jesus said, go, go. We believe here that we are all priests. The Bible talks about the priesthood of all believers. Back in Old Testament time, the priest was the one who connected with God, communicated with God, performed sacrifices, did all the worship stuff, proclaimed the, the greatness of God. That was the priest's job. We are now all priests. You have the spirit of living God living inside of you as a follower of Jesus. You can communicate, connect, 
worship, uh, all that stuff, and to proclaim the greatness of God as a priest of his. We believe that firmly. And so, friends, church was never designed for people to show up into a building and watch one person do ministry and the rest of us just be like, oh, that was good. Okay, I needed that. Thanks for that. That was great. But we watched people do ministry. No, it's, it's ministries for all of us. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you were called to ministry. The call to ministry is not a special calling for few. I am no more special than you are. I'm, no, I'm just an ordinary person. We're all called and he uses all of us. But my job, Ephesians 4, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. My job is to equip you, to equip you. Go groups is just me just saying, hey, here's something that we're gonna equip you with. Go, now go and make disciples. It's a simple tool that you and I can use to practically live out this commission that Jesus has given us. And he says, oh, by the way, don't forget, I am with you. I am with you. Think about Akachi, a guy who loved Jesus. He says, I just wanna obey Jesus. So here it is, this picture of his discipleship influence. I pray that you would catch this vision. This could be the description of your life. Different names, same results. I pray that you would catch this, that this would stir in your heart to live out a life that says, I'm gonna be kingdom first. It's perspective, guys. It's living for the right things putting his kingdom first. So I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to commission you. Why don't you stand to your feet? Remember, guys, the, goal, the whole goal here is this, is for you and I, obedience. You and I can pray, pray, pray all we want. We can pray for hours, but if we walk up from that prayer and walk in disobedience, we are nullifying our prayers. And it really is obedience. It's, and God's grace is always there for you. But the important thing is you and I take this book and we're like, okay, I want to obey it now. And a lot of us like to take the things like Jesus is going to help me. Jesus is going to bless me. Jesus is going to transform me. Jesus is going to heal me. Jesus is going to, but then he's like, I want you to go do the same. I don't know. It's kind of, I'm kind of busy. It's kind of hard. It's kind of difficult. And let's be real. How we've kind of functioned in the church in the West for too long hasn't been that way. And so this is kind of a radical shift of perspective for us. But let's just lean in this journey that Jesus has commissioned us. And you, you and I can all do this. We can all do this. And it's just putting his kingdom first. So I want to read a few verses to you. And then I want to pray over you and commission you to go. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That, my friends, is an incredible promise from the Word of God. When you call in the name of Jesus, you are saved. Maybe you've never called on Jesus before, and today's your day. I'd encourage you. Call on Jesus. He'll save you from yourself, from your sins, from eternal separation, from, the Bible will call it damnation in hell apart from God. But Jesus created you to be in a relationship with Him forever. Call the name of, of the Lord and you will be saved. Verse 14 then goes on to say this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach 
unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and our message is heard through the word of Christ. So, how can they hear unless someone proclaims it? And how can someone proclaim it unless they are sent? And I'm commissioning you as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus, to go. Go. And I'm going to pray, pray this prayer over you right now. So why don't you just join with me in prayer. Just receive this prayer right now. This is a prayer of commissioning. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here, that's with us, that's online, that's listening right now. God, I just want to just echo the words that you have already given us multiple times, Jesus, and that is to go. I commission them to go. Lord, I ask that your anointing would rest upon them. May they sense your spirit in their life today, tomorrow, as they go. As they live their life, may they be open to these people of peace that would come into their life and just enter into that relationship and have conversations and pray and serve and eventually disciple. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint them for those conversations, for those relationships, and for those decisions and the timing of all that. Lord, would would you fill them? Lord, would you Would you lead them? Would you guide them, Lord? I pray, Lord, that they would feel and have the sense of, I am commissioned by God for this. Lord, may we be people who seek you first and your kingdom first and desire to live in obedience to this, this mission. Lord, I pray this. Lord, I pray for beautiful feet. That's what I'm praying for. Beautiful feet. Make our feet beautiful as we go and share the good news about you. Beautiful feet, Lord. Beautiful feet bringing beautiful news, seeing beautiful results. God, I commission my friends to go. And as you go, remember, he is with you. He is with you always. His spirit is inside of you. He has anointed you to preach the good news to set the captives free, to release the oppressed. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you as you go. I commission you to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.